Christus mansionem benedicat. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, in what has been called the season after Epiphany, the church still celebrates three Epiphanies. We already celebrated January 6th, the visit of the Magi. They're coming to adore him, coming to seek out confirmation of what they have already learned, the birth of a king. But they came to discover much more than just simply the birth of an ordinary king. The church also celebrates in this season the baptism of the Lord, January 13th. There again, an epiphany takes place, a revelation of who Christ actually is. In the River Jordan, St. John the Baptist discovers his cousin, whom, whom he already knows, younger, of course, by six months. John the Baptist has been taught by the Lord that he will point out the Messiah who comes after him, but who existed before him. And therein lies the surprise for St. John the Baptist, because he knows that Christ, the holiest man he's ever met, is younger than him. And he knows he's looking for someone who existed before him. St. John the Baptist is told to look for that sign of the dove descending upon the one whom he baptizes. And so he does. And what does that trigger? Then him being able to point out to anyone there to listen, behold the Lamb of God. The second epiphany. The third epiphany we will celebrate next Sunday, the second Sunday after Epiphany, where the gospel reading is the wedding feast at Cana. There our Lord performs a miracle and sets in motion not only his being known by all the world, by those who seek him out, but even by the angels, the fallen angels who now know that this person of whom so many people have said so many things has supernatural power. And as much as our Lord was in danger as soon as he was born from Herod, now he is truly in danger. Because then the devil will seek to use instruments to bring about his end. In these three epiphanies, we discover at one and the same time that those who seek him out to honor the truth and to worship God, to do him homage, find him. Those who know so much about him, those who might even know everything about him, but who do not seek him out to honor the truth or to do him homage, are ruined. At one and the same time, this mystery unfolds in Christmas. Christ is a secret. He's a secret to his mother and father. He's a secret to the shepherds to whom angels revealed the miraculous birth. And at the same time, epiphanies happen so that all can know him. Likewise, as a 12-year-old, 
in the temple. He is at one and the same time a secret, and he is on display for everyone. Amazing those who listen to him, who listen to his questions, who listen to his answers. But still not fully known by them. Fully known by his mother and father, who are even that much more perplexed. Because they know who he is as much as they can at that point. They wouldn't be able to articulate the Nicene Creed, but they know that this is God, somehow, some way. Which is why Mary is constantly pondering these things. She is one who, who shows what it will be like for us to be in heaven, where God is always new, not always different, but always new, never old. Always to be pondered, always to be adored, always causing us amazement. And so we pray very simply to always be seeking him out as those who went to discover him. Not just simply three magi, but Andrew and John and Simon, who heard St. John the Baptist say, Behold, the Lamb of God. They wanted to go see if this is really true. What does this mean? Who is he really? Not as though they're doubting what they've been told, but to know about him is completely different from the the reality of knowing him. St. John the Baptist will send other of his followers later on to go see for themselves. It's easy to think that we come to know Christ in a very different way. Unlike those who are startled by this person who is unknown to us, who all of a sudden is asking brilliant questions and and showing the wisdom far beyond his age. Unlike those who, who discover him like the Magi or who, or who have some extraordinary experience where the faith that already existed finally sees in Christ a fulfillment as happened at the River Jordan. Or in those of the wedding feasts who are, who are witness to a miracle when yet they don't even realize it. We think instead that we're more like the Holy Family because we've always known him. He's always been part of our lives. He's always been part of our household. He's part of our our Sundays, part of our everyday. The reality is that unless we continue to seek him out and to seek him about whom we already know, eventually we won't believe in him anymore. The Holy Family instead, Our Lady and St. Joseph, are always amazed at who he is. Can we ever imagine them taking him for granted? Can we ever imagine them saying, oh, he's, he, he's always been in our household. We know him. There's nothing new under the sun. We can't even 
fathom anything so mundane. She is constantly pondering these things in her heart. Everything that he does, everything that he says, everything that's said about him. Not as though she's seeking him out as though she doesn't know him. Not as though she doubts what she's heard about him. But to know him, to honor him, to do him homage, is to be drawn deeper into who he is. Two recent experiences here emphasize the, the point. Because there are those who seek him out to honor the truth and recognize wisdom when they see it. And there are those who will be disappointed because what they knew turns into something that they doubt. On December 27th, on the open house for the Feast of St. John, our patron, in discussing with the parishioner all the good things that happened in the previous year, it came to mind that there was a family whom we had come to know. And we haven't seen them in a long time. They started visiting St. John the Beloved because they were already Christian, but they were seeking out something more. They wanted to see for themselves if what people say about the Blessed Sacrament, if what people say about the Catholic Church really is true. And so very deliberately, they didn't just come casually. They came, they wanted to meet with me. I met with him, I met with her, I met with the both of them. I introduced them to a young family, roughly the same age, similar situation. And then, without my even realizing it, I hadn't, hadn't seen them, hadn't heard from them. When I noticed that as a, as a, as a pastor, I just, the only thing that came to mind were worst case scenarios, right? I did something, I said something, I didn't say something. Somebody said something, they saw something, whatever. So trepidatiously later that day, I sent them an email, Merry Christmas, hope everyone's doing okay. And these people who um, truly had been seeking Christ to honor the truth and to do him homage replied immediately, everything's great, they're back in their regular home, because they had only been here for temporary active duty in the military. They're in an RCIA program in a Catholic church. They'll be Catholic by Easter. At the one and the same time, it's surprising, but not surprising. It's surprising because it's good news. We're surprised and delighted when good things happen. But it shouldn't be surprising because they truly they were seeking the truth, and they were going to let the truth change their lives. And in a different way, St. John the Baptist, St. John the Beloved was the occasion for a family to not practice the faith anymore. Someone mentioned at an epiphany party this weekend that there's a family, I don't even know their name, who used to come here, but no longer. And again, 
all I can imagine are worst case scenarios. You know, what did people say to them or what did people do or who said what or what, you know, what priest did what or didn't do something. And it turns out very different. They just simply make fun of people who pray. They think praying is a waste of time. It wasn't us. It's something about what they were seeking or how they were seeking. Again, I don't know the details. I don't even know who they are. But we can imagine something bad happened. Some suffering caused them to despair and to give up. They came seeking God to alleviate their problem. And none of us can fault them for that. All of us seek God to alleviate our problems. People came with their sick, and they're, and they're possessed, and he healed them, and he freed them. But not everywhere. Not in Nazareth. Not where people weren't seeking the truth and seeking to do him homage, but to, to get something, to get an advantage, to get a favor, or to be entertained. And so blessings do come to those who seek God properly. We receive and we give and we, and we seek out blessings all the time. They benefit us when we seek them out the right way. They do us no good and they may very well even do us harm when we seek them out for the wrong reasons or for no reason. And so it seems that the lesson that the Holy Family wants to teach us today is never to think that this is something old, this is something I already know. Rather, this is always new. He is the one whom we seek out, and we have to seek him out with purity. with love, with faith, and with obedience, knowing that he will change our lives. He will cause us great suffering, but in the end he brings us eternal life. The letters that you put over your door, 20CMB17, ask for a blessing for this year. By the intercession of St. Caspar, St. Melchior, St. Balthazar. We pray that we may always seek him out as they did. We also pray like the Holy Family. We make a home for him so that people can find him where we are. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.